Welcome to Flyover Crime. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you here for episode two. And we are re-recording this because something got really goofy and we can't figure it out. We might post it later. But Liz, you have a story for me? I do have a story for you. And this is about a crime that was committed in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. Um, and then you can validate this for me, Karsten, that we did check to make sure that it was considered a flyover state. Which it is. It's the highest yeah. flyover <laughs> state in the country, actually, which yeah. I find very strange. But. Yeah. I texted Karsten and I was just like, hey, is it okay if I pull one out of West Virginia? And we have the, uh, the stats to back it up. So super excited to tell you about this additional crime content, um, something that's completely new to me. So... This crime com- was committed on the afternoon on January of 1897. So we're going way back. Way back. Way back. So there was a man named Edward Shue, who was a blacksmith um, in Greenbrier County, that asked one of his neighborhood children to go back to his house to his uh, newlywed bride and see if there was anything that she needed from the market. And when he went to the house, this young kid... Uh, found her laying in a very obscure situation. So she was like at the bottom of the steps, legs totally like drawn out, one hand beside her and one hand over her heart. So very much like in Caskety. a yeah, like casket. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's how you put put people in there. Um, and so he went back and I actually practice sleeping like that sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> just like how am I gonna yeah. look? How am I gonna look in here? Um. So, yeah, so he went back and spoke to, you know, the husband that had originally asked him to check in with his wife and said that there was something that was obscure. They called the coroner, and um, basically it took like an hour and ten minutes before anybody got there. And so during that period of time, the husband had went in, fully washed the body, like took her upstairs, washed the body, and then fully clothed her. Removing Um, all evidence. Right, exactly. Right. So, I mean, that works out well for you, right? Um, And then it was interesting because she also was adorned with some stuff like around her neck, like a full collar and a veil. So she was, when they actually came in, she was laying on the bed with like this full collared dress, a veil over her head, laying in bed. And so the coroner comes in and he starts doing the examination and trying to figure out the cause of death. And at that period in time, he starts going like towards her neck to examine that area as well. And the husband becomes super agitated and he's like, you don't need to look at that part. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Just look at everything else. But, you know, I've already got her all situated here and but there's nothing to be concerned she said it's of. fine yeah there's nothing to be concerned of Move around the on. neck area <laughs> yeah so obviously in in the current time in which we live that would be suspect i don't i couldn't find any documentation as to whether or not there was some sort of relationship between the coroner and the husband or oh like if they're buddy buddy or something right. yeah like there was some like handshake deal where you just don't look at the neck i i, I don't really know Um, and so that was it. So they, you know, go to the funeral service. They, you know, put her in an actual casket, probably situated in the same way that she was found initially. And there was a lot of bystanders from the community that said that her husband was acting very odd during that period of time. So Edward is going by Elva 
held his body and like messing around with like how her dress was laid on her neck, putting pillows behind her head, just like everything in the neck region. That's so, so I, creepy. Right. So, I mean, I think you get a general idea of like where this might be going. Right. Um, and so everyone took note, but nothing was done. So they bury her and then her mother has basically like not put it to rest. Right. She's like, something seems odd here. The initial coroner's report said that she had passed away from everlasting faint. It just kills me. Yeah, I know. I, I like still <laughs> can't wrap my head around that. I would really like to see the medical like terminology behind like everlasting, everlasting faint. faint. Yeah, like you just fall down and you're dead. Um, and then it was subsequently transitioned into complications of pregnancy. But regardless, there was really, like, there wasn't documentation that said that she was ever pregnant. Like, I mean, just, it seemed like kind of a cop-out, right? right? Like, just for... This is easy enough. I'm going right. to check yeah, this yeah, box yeah. and yeah, move yeah. along. Exactly. And so, um, her mom, like, never felt good about it. Like, she's like, okay, well, she never told me she was pregnant. I don't know why that would be the cause of death. Everlasting faint obviously makes no, no sense. sense. Yeah. And so, um... Her mom starts talking about the fact that she has these series of dreams. So four series of dreams in total. And during these dreams, it starts off with like this beacon of light. And subsequently, as the dreams go on, it turns into like being able to actually see her daughter. And her daughter subsequently in these dreams tells her like this was not a good marriage we had this fight one evening over the fact that I didn't bring enough meat <laughs> to the meal and he became enraged and he broke my neck and turned it completely around. Linda Blair style. Yeah. Exorcist. Yeah. Like yep. all the way around. And so being the good God fearing woman that she was, um, She's like, okay, something is still not sitting right. And so she goes to the prosecutor and says, I think we need to exhume the body and actually do like a full-on autopsy. I don't think that whatever was done in the initial coroner's report was actually valid. We're missing some evidence here. And so not necessarily that he believed that these dreams were indicative of like exhuming right. the body. But there was also, like, some underlying factors where, like, there was some hearsay around Like, it just town. didn't add up. Yeah, like, everything, yeah. Like, Do you it, know how old she was? Oh, actually, I don't. I want to say, actually, that she was probably, like, in her, like, mid-20s. Okay. Like, That's kind of what young. I was guessing, yeah. but I know yeah. we didn't talk about it before. I'll, I'll so. double-check it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll fact-check it, <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll write it on the, on the Facebook page. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't indicative of, like, how she passed away so prematurely. And so they exhumed the body and very soon found out upon full examination that all of this garb and all this stuff that was around her neck was very much put there for a purpose. There was like visibly hand marks. Like you could see right. the finger, like the fingerprints like of the like somebody. From, right, exactly. Yeah. And so had it been done correctly the first time around, we wouldn't be in the situation, but it, it you know, it was very obvious that she had been murdered. And so the problem thereafter was, you know, 
we can say that she's murdered, but you can't point it to anyone. Because, obviously, back then there wasn't DNA evidence right, right. and all that stuff. They had, like, no technology in oh, no. except I, I don't mean, even know if... Do they even have fingerprints? No. No, okay. no, no. So it'd be, like, the only way you could really convict somebody wholeheartedly is if, if they somebody... confessed. Or that, or somebody saw. Yeah. Like, and, and you had... And, you know, first-hand or second-hand testimony is just, like, baloney anyway. Right. Because um, people think they see things all the time. Well, and people make stuff up just to get, like, in the newspaper or whatever right. and just pretend that they were there and mm-hmm. then they go back and they're like, none of this. Actually adds yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If you've seen My Cousin Vinny, that's a good example. <laughs> I actually I actually have never seen My okay, Cousin Vinny. Okay, so we'll, we'll do that next weekend. <laughs> right. I know Marissa Tomei's in it just from Seinfeld. Yeah, and she's wonderful in it. Um, but, yeah, that's, it. like, basically what I'm getting at. For those who have not seen My Cousin Vinny is, like, you think you see something based on what public opinion is around you, right? right. So you start believing it. And I, I mean... A subconscious a, influence or something right. like that, yeah. And honestly, I can be a creature of that as well, right? Like, if everybody tells me they saw something, like, if you say it enough times, you You're going to believe in it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Her mother starts looking into, like, what other substantiating evidence can I bring into this that would actually help, like, prosecute her husband right and so they end up finding out that he had been married twice before Hmm. which again in that day and age was a little infrequent right right? yeah it's 1897 like Like, mm -hmm. i didn't even think divorce was socially acceptable no yeah not until like the 60s or 1960s or 70s well and honestly even today it's not like super socially acceptable you know what i mean well it's more there's a stigma to it but it's so common now it's like yeah if you're in a bad marriage just get out right because it's dangerous Yeah. yeah absolutely but yeah, and and that easier said than done, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But but um, so yeah, so he had been married twice before. His first marriage ended in divorce, and he was divorced while incarcerated. He had you're gonna get a kick out of this. He had stolen a horse. <laughs> I don't know if he was just like grabbing it like out of the stables and riding bareback down the street, but he had stolen a horse and was incarcerated for that. So they got divorced at that point in time when he was incarcerated. And then his marriage... Final straw. You (laughs) stole that horse. I'm not doing this. I thought we were going to be okay here, but that horse issue. Um, And then the secondary one, his wife had passed away, like, within a couple months of them being married. Like this marriage. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there was, like, I I could not find anything that actually said, like, cause of death. It's very ambiguous, and so I think it's, like, a similar thing where... They probably plastered some sort of... Just like, into the work. Right. Or, yeah. Like, exactly. what could they do back then, honestly? Right. Uh-huh. And so, her mother brings all of this, you know, to the... Which is impressive on her end to find yes. that stuff out back then with Especially, no technology. Everything is by mail. Right. Exactly. Or you have to, like, go to the archives and, like, right. pull through it. And also, I think it's, like, very cool that, like the mother was leading the effort because yeah like, nobody know, else was yeah. and this is my daughter right and... exactly um and also i think some stuff that you know women would say back then they probably didn't give as much weight to as right like when a man would pull it out so she did all this work gave when it... a man would pull it out that is not what i know it's not it just came out i'm like what is that like a that's what she said moment? Um, but so she gives all of this information to the prosecutor. 
Um, and so the defense comes in and they're basically trying to like put holes in the case, right? Right. As, as a defense a attorney, attorney would. would yeah. yeah. And so part of it is like relying on the fact like, hey, this crazy woman says that she had like four dreams about like her daughter coming in and saying that this happened, but like there's actually no like substantial evidence about it. And really thought that the jury and like the public opinion would like be like, oh yeah, she's nuts. Yeah. Well, it ended up being the opposite. Like everyone was like, yes, she had four dreams. Like that makes sense to me. I mean, it was a different, you know, period of time in which I think a lot of that was a little bit more like, like it acceptable hit home. or yeah. something. Yeah, like we're they were God fearing people. They, you know, they were like, okay, that makes sense. Oh, to like me. visions and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they believe in that type of stuff. Right. Like and and I think we talked about previously that um, you know, like this is around the time when like Harry Houdini was doing all that stuff to like debunk the seances and everybody was kind of looking at that closely and there was a lot of believers and I mean, it was just a period of time where I think that that held a lot more water. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the jury... I've never heard that turn of phrase before. Held a lot of water? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, do you want to write that one down? You no. can use that later. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, basically, it just, like, totally, like, did not go in the way <laughs> of which they, they intended. Anticipated. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I apologize, I'm getting over cold this week. Um, so the jury goes in, they deliberate for about an hour and ten minutes ish, and come out and like very much like came out of, came out of there going guilty. Like <laughs> there's no way, shape or form that this guy did not do it. And so they send him off with a sentence of life in prison. Um, which I mean back then was you know. As it is now, it's a death sentence, right? Like, you're going to... Yeah, you're never going to see the land yeah, day again. Exactly. Um, and so, the interesting thing, though, that I found is that there was an epidemic that actually broke out in the prison in which he was housed. Pre-Spanish flu, right? Exactly. Yep, yep. So, in 1900, um, yeah, it basically, like, ravaged the whole prison that he was living in, and he passed away in 1900. Now the thing that kind so of so he was only in prison for two years. Yeah, and then well, and then he died. Asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Should have had to get a little more grit in there. Um, but her mother actually lived until 1916, and I always kind of likes I, I don't know it vindicates I guess a little bit. No, like, I get you it. Can, yeah, you can see like okay, so justice was served in one way or another. he died while I was alive. I have okay. closure. Exactly, like. That was all put to rest. I'm sure, I mean, it's never put to rest. Well, right? no, no, but, no. It's going to affect, whenever somebody's murdered, it affects not just, like, one person. It affects right. a lot of people. Oh, my gosh, yeah. There's just, like, a huge windfall effect. Um, even for those of us that are, like, even talking about it, right? Like, right. it still kind of irks me. Like, I, I, you know, it's not like I knew the people um, personally, but it, it's just a horrible thing. So, the one thing that I would leave you with for this crime specifically is that there is a historical marker in Greenbrier County that says um, somewhere along the lines of that this is the only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. Huh. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and again, like... How I, bizarre to even read that. 
Right. And you know that I for sure buy into that stuff. No, so yeah, like, I know. To, to me, it totally like resonates. We might be haunted right now because yeah. we're re-recording this because something was real really goofy. Weird. And we did mic checks and uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. We'll yeah. see if this actually turns out. Yeah. And then and then we are going to keep you updated on that in the next episode because, yeah, we've, we've had a day here. But... Um, but yeah, no, I do I do believe in some of that. I think that there is something to be said about like, you know, external forces influencing what we're doing here and now. Um, with that said, um, I don't know if we mentioned this at the top of the episode, but we are super excited because for our Thanksgiving episode, we wanted to do two cases. Yeah. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Karsten. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm already... Yeah, I don't have high hopes. (laughs) Okay, since it is the week of Thanksgiving, I am bringing you a Thanksgiving massacre. So let's talk about a couple. Um, So James Craig Kaler, who went by Craig, and I cannot stress enough how annoyed I get (laughs) by people going by their middle names. If you listen to episode one, whatever. And his wife, Karen Kaler. We actually like texted about it this morning. You're like, I'm so ex- like I'm so annoyed with people that are going by their middle name. It is, <laughs> and this is recent. This was in the, the whole thing started basically in 2006, and I'll get into it. But um, they have three kids, two girls, and one boy. The boy is the youngest, um, and he was a utilities director in Weatherford, Texas, and. His wife, Karen, which you can appreciate, was a group fitness teacher. Okay. Love me some group fitness. <laughs> yep. And um, she had somebody she was working with named Sonny Reese, who was also a fitness instructor at okay. the same gym. They were at the same gym. They met in 2006. Okay. So he ended up, uh, Craig, I guess we'll call him, ended up <laughs> taking Jesus, a utilities director job in Columbia, Missouri. So at a holiday party in January of 2008, his wife Karen and her friend Sonny, I don't know how they ended up at the same holiday party in January. His, it was for his work? It sounded like it was for his work, but I... I wonder if I, maybe like one of his coworkers was like... Like throwing something and uh, yeah. bring your friends or whatever, like mm-hmm. everybody's welcome yeah, or something like that. They ended up having a little too much to drink and Sonny and Karen started kissing each other. Um, Craig was actually very excited by this. Oh, okay. He apparently gave consent to this relationship. I think they he thought... Like that, written consent? I, he signed an informed <laughs> consent form. Waived his rights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um... Sorry. I'm still waved, laughing. Waived his rights. Uh, and... He actually was like super psyched about it. I thought he thought they were gonna be like a thruple type of thing. Oh or yeah, whatever. like I'm part of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in it, and yeah. she's like, yeah, no, she doesn't love you like that. Like, <laughs> I, I, this, we're set, we're pushing you out. Right, right, yeah. So like at one point, like I had said earlier, like he brought them both roses on the same day when they were together. Like just, I feel behavior. like maybe he was trying to like wedge himself in. Like maybe if I like do all this, like dalliant stuff. Yeah. I can be part of whatever what you guys, guys have had. going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they had no interest in that. Yeah, they did not. So he ended up like just obsessing over this. He was stalking Sonny via the internet. 
he only like this is all he talked about. He wasn't doing his work. He lost his job oh over this God. because yeah. he just couldn't let it go. Just completely obsessive. Yeah, completely obsessive. And so the thing that so they had and Karen and Craig ended up getting separated. Okay. And March, they weren't at that point. <laughs> no, like... they weren't. It was just bizarre. And it's not like this was old. This was two thousand and nine. Yeah. Uh, well, well, and again, I think when you first brought up that you were, like, with very high-level information, I was thinking this was, like, 1940s. Yeah. Like, I, I thought I would have heard it. It sounds almost like 70s. Yeah, because uh-huh. we were, like, in college and right. just weren't watching the news, I guess. So yeah. we had, neither of us had <laughs> yeah. ever heard of this We case. were never paying attention. To yeah, the only reason I found it is I woke up in the middle of the night, like, a week ago. So Liz was sick for, like, a week, which was why we haven't recorded yet, and the holidays are coming, and we're busy people, so we just haven't found the time. Mm-hmm. And um, March 16th of 2009, she, there was an altercation. I don't know how physical it was, but he gets arrested for this altercation. Oh, so so it, was, it had to have been yeah. assault yeah. to some, to some, some degree. Severity, I almost yeah. said some. <laughs> that's where it is. So on this date, she filed an order of protection. And she wrote that she was afraid of him because over time it has become apparent that Craig is control. This is a quote. I think I already said that. Uh, it has become apparent that Craig is controlling. I have learned along the way that he is capable of using force. The issues vary, but I figure out how to keep things from becoming ugly. When money was a quote unquote problem, I would tell him what I wouldn't tell him what things cost. When it was about sex, I decided it would be easier to give in to what he wanted every night than uh, to refuse. Which I know we just. Uh, no, just, yeah, it gives me. Yeah, it and she keeps me out. She I went on to say, on the occasions she refused, he has been known to be forceful and mean. So, uh, okay. this guy's a great a asshole. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I am glad that she was explicit in what she said. Oh, exactly, because then there's record. Right, exactly, because I think there's sometimes some ambiguity, like you know. Right, he said, she said, type a, of thing. Yeah, where I mean, that was that was good. So I don't know what happened between this time, except that he lost his job. He moved back in with his parents in Burlingame, Kansas. So really moving up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> moved into his parents' basement. Regressing. <laughs> yeah. Devolving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he really was. He was, like, falling apart. And that Thanksgiving weekend, like I said, I don't know what happened between March and November. But... Karen's grandmother, Dorothy Wright, lived also in Burlingame. So that is like 20 minutes south of Topeka, from what I can read. Um, on a map. On a map. <laughs> Thank you, Google. Based, based on all the significant research I've done. So it was Thanksgiving weekend, and he drove to Dorothy Wright's house. Oh, trigger warning, everybody. This gets rough, and it involves children. So take a breath. Because yeah. uh, it was hard to kind of read. So can I, can I leave now? No. <laughs> oh, I'm You're so sticking sorry. around. All right, all right, all right. Walked into Dorothy's house with a Mac 90 rifle, 223 caliber <laughs> shot shell or shot Yeah. Shell case shell casings yeah. were recovered, and first just came in, started shooting his wife. He let his son go, or his son fled. He wasn't injured. He was 10 years old at the time. Then he goes on, uh, I just got goosebumps. Then he goes on to kill 89-year-old Dorothy Wright, 
his 16-year-old daughter, Laura, and his 18-year-old daughter, Emily. Emily was the only one that died instantly, pretty much. Um, The other three... And Emily was the... She was 18. The 18-year-old. Okay, so the 16-year-old and the grandmother. Yep, so like a sheriff officer or something it said sheriff's officer which makes no sense to me it's like either you're an officer or a sheriff i don't i don't know yeah i don't know kansas yeah <laughs> um i guess he was trying to keep did i say lauren is it lauren lauren he was trying to comfort her and she was like begging like i don't want to die please help oh me please help God. me and all three of them died in the transit to oh, topeka um that poor officer, too. I mean, yeah, I just having to mm-hmm. witness that. Yeah, well, and try to keep her calm while she's saying stuff like that. Right. And keep themselves calm, too. Oh, yeah, I would not be good at that. No, I wouldn't either. I, I, I'd panic. I, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't do well in that situation. We probably need to get a charger for this computer. Okay. Um, so he fled. He claims he was out of his mind. He didn't know what was going on. He was found the next morning at uh, around 7 a.m. walking through a ditch. He had abandoned his car. Um, and he was trying to do the whole, I was out of my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. But if you grab a gun, like yeah. that's premeditated. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously. You had a plan here. Yeah. So after he was caught, his trial wasn't for two years after that. So his trial was in October of 2011. Okay. This is kind of heartbreaking too. His son testified like begging to not uh, give him the death penalty like uh, this is the only family i have left like everybody else is gone I, he was staying with his grandparents and this craig asshole there's no other word for him he was stone cold during the trial showed no emotion was muttering things under his breath things like i didn't want my kids raised by a bunch of freaks oh, um so yeah and a couple other comments and sunny testified so, like you knew like we were having this relationship you consented to mm-hmm. it like you said this was fine and um it was kind of a long trial, and her sister testified. She was super emotional, and um, yeah. the jury finally came back. I think it only took them two days. Oh, okay. I have it somewhere, but I didn't quite write it down. I'm actually surprised that it took them that long. Well, that's almost just like paperwork. Yeah. Well, well no, yeah, I guess yeah. that'd be like two hours. Well, yeah, I mean, but two days. Back, yeah, back in the 1800s, but yeah, I guess yeah, that was a yeah. bit longer. But, um, but um, they came back with the death penalty. He's sitting on death row now. He had appealed this last March of 2020, and he he lost the appeal. Yeah. Which I mean, if you're in prison and going to be executed, I'd appeal. Oh, I mean, you'd have to be. You're, yeah, you'd, or have a really stupid lawyer, or represent yourself like Ted Bundy. Oh yes, <laughs> which actually that was a that was an entertaining little sidebar for him. But yeah. um, so he's sitting on death row. He's just one of ten people on death row in Kansas since they had reinstated the death penalty. Um, his son would be twenty four now. I didn't look him up. I want to respect the privacy absolutely. of that kid. Yeah, twenty four is still a child to me. But well, right, and like I'm sure that his life has been like marked by that. So it's just right. Like, I mean the. The limitation of which we can, you know, give to the whole thing is probably helpful. Right. I mean, if nothing else. So that was my Thanksgiving story. Tragic. Um, yeah, that, that made me a little blue. But if you liked the way we told <laughs> these two stories, yeah. uh, please review, rate, and subscribe. We don't care what you say in the review. Say anything. doesn't matter. Um, it's just like an algorithm thing. We're still trying to get on other platforms, but 
whatever, you can follow us at Flyover Crime on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We don't have much stuff posted yet, but we're working on it. And if you want to send us a story you want us to tell, we're flyovercrime <laughs> at gmail.com. And so if you have something yeah. you want us to look into, we would absolutely love to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, especially, like, it's been interesting, like, looking through a lot of this stuff, because this is all things that are brand new to us. Right. Which is the exciting part of it, right? Like, these are things that I wouldn't have necessarily uncovered if I watched ID or, you know, right. our normal platforms. Yeah. Getting our we watch, like, two different yeah. TV channels. <laughs> One of them is ID. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's all we have for you for this week of Thanksgiving. Everybody stay safe, enjoy the holidays, and hopefully we'll hear, or you'll hear us next <laughs> week. We don't hear you, but send us yeah. an email and we will. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Goodbye.